0: Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So this is our last night in this series that we've been doing called Strange Things Christians Believe. Um, hopefully you've realized that there are some things that we believe as Christians that are different, that set us apart. If you remember the two, or not two weeks ago, it's been longer than that, our first week we talked about how Christians, sometimes people think we're strange because we believe that inside us apart from Jesus redeeming us, there's evil inside us. Then the next week, we talked about how some people find it strange that Christians believe in miracles, that God can do the impossible. Um, A week ago, we talked about how people think it's strange sometimes that we find our identity in Jesus and not in what we look like and not in what we do, but what Jesus did Tonight is probably the most, not that the others aren't serious, Um, anything out of the Word of God is serious, Um, but tonight the strange thing that we're going to talk about that Christians believe is probably the most important one we're going to talk about because it not only affects me and it not only affects you, it affects the people that you know. And tonight the strange thing that Christians believe is that we as Christians believe that we're not supposed to just keep our faith to ourselves that we're supposed to share our faith with others and convince people to put their faith in Jesus is that a strange thing for Christians to believe some people say well it's great for you to believe what you believe I'm going to believe what I believe and don't talk to me about what you believe you keep your your faith to you I'll keep my spirituality to me And unfortunately, that has worked its way into a lot of the way that Christians believe. There was a recent survey done of Christians, and according to this recent survey, 47% of Christians, 47% of people who believe in Jesus think that evangelism, that's a fancy word for sharing your faith, 47% of Christians today believe that evangelism, sharing your faith, is immoral. Meaning that it's it's wrong to share your faith with other people. I don't know if that surprises you, um, but that surprised me. Because what we do at Refuel a lot is we don't just play ping pong and we don't just play Xbox. Uh, We don't just eat chicken nuggets and tag, right? High school guys, um, Chick-fil-A. We're all about winning people to belief in Jesus. And... One of the things that we use is our not so traditional Thanksgiving dinner. That's not the only thing that we do um, to try to get teenagers under the sound of the gospel, but it's one of them. And if you're if you've been kind of in some of the circles that I've been in over the past few over the past week, um, you know that this has been a difficult week for a lot of people. This has been a difficult week for a lot of. Teenagers that have had to deal with a lot of stuff that teenagers shouldn't have to deal with. And when we're talking about reaching people for Jesus, when we're talking tonight about um, giving people the hope that we have within us, even kind of leading up to our not-so-traditional Thanksgiving dinner, it hits a little different tonight. Because a lot of people have been reminded about how serious life is and how serious life after death is. And tonight what we're going to be talking about is how it's strange that Christians believe we should share our faith, but it's literally the hope that God has given us to give to the world. Um, Something I've been doing over the past year, year and a half, is I've been working on a a degree um, at, at an institution, and this is a doctoral degree, which means I have to do a lot of research, and some of the research that I've done, and I've had people help me with, companies help me with, is doing research having to do with teenagers in our area. Been doing a lot of research on, I'm not talking about teens in California, I'm not talking about teens in New York City. I'm talking about teens within a 10-minute drive of Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. So if you get in your car in the parking lot here and drive 10 minutes in any direction, those are the teenagers that, that, that we've been researching and that I've been talking, talking to and talking about. Anybody want to guess how many teenagers there are within a 10-minute drive of Lewis Memorial? Just throw out a number. Three teenagers? This is actually high school and middle school students, I should say. 15,000, 14,000, 13,000, 12,000. Y'all are pretty good. The the number is actually 14,123. There are 14,123 middle school and high school students within a 10-minute drive of Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. You were asked in your tag, or if your tag leader actually got to the questions, not every tag gets to the questions, but if your tag got to the question, the question was, what percentage of teenagers in our area do you think have a faith alone salvation in Jesus Christ? <laughs> did, I, did, I, did your tags get to that? Whose tag? You got the... Okay. What, 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 number, what numbers were thrown out? 3.5, 10, 15... 11.60. 11.60. Very precise. Okay. So, so what's that... Christian said five. Um, these are the statistics. I don't know if you can see them on the screen here. There are 4, fourteen thousand one hundred twenty-three students, high school, middle school students, within a ten-minute drive of the Lewis Memorial Baptist Church. Kind of hard to see; it's a little grainy on here. Five hundred and sixty-four of those fourteen thousand one hundred twenty-three students, which is about four percent, believe in a faith-alone relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that surprise you? Or maybe you're like, I'm surrounded by heathens. That don't surprise me. Um, but does, does, does that surprise you? That out of all the teenagers in our area within a 10-minute drive of LNBc, only 564 have put their faith and trust in Jesus. I'm sure there are a lot more than that that have gone to church. You know, I'm sure there are a lot more than that that um, maybe have some religious beliefs. But according to Jesus, the way that we're saved is by putting our faith and trust in him. And only 564 students have put their faith and trust in Jesus. When you look at some of the other numbers that we see up here that are true about, these aren't, random, these aren't like hypothetical people. These are actual, every number is an actual teenager, an actual person that lives in our area. Of these numbers, I'm just going to go counterclockwise, 342 were in the foster care system, meaning they, the government came and removed them from their home because their, their home was not a safe place to live in. Of those 14,123 students within a 10-minute drive, 2,825 have experienced suicidal thoughts. And of those 14,123 students within a 10-minute drive of here, 1,271 of them have attempted suicide. It hits a little different, especially this week. Of those 14,123 students, 3,406 live in a home without their father present. They don't have a relationship with their father. Of those 14,123 students, 1,412 of them have been sexually abused at some point in their life. 2,966 identify as LGBTQ. 212 of them are moms. There are a lot of other statistics that we could pull or that we could look at, but when we look at the big number, 14,123, we look at the lostness that we come in contact with, some, some of you on a daily basis, and we see that only 564 students have a faith alone salvation relationship with Jesus. Wow. Some of you have seen firsthand the lostness and the brokenness of your generation. It's hit really hard this week. And a lot of times when these things happen, we ask the question, What do we do? What can we do? Tonight, what I want to show you from God's word, it's it's a very simple thought and a very simple section of scripture. What I want to show you from God's word is this, that we should do what we can do to reach people with the gospel of Jesus and beg God to do the rest, to beg God to do what we can't do. If you have your Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you've been following along on Sunday mornings at Lewis, you know that Pastor Lemming has been preaching through 1 Corinthians, and he happened to arrive at chapter 3 this past Sunday, Um, and I've had this one planned for a couple months as it is, and I didn't think we'd end up... On this, in the same chapter at the same time, so it's a little awkward. Um, but the good news is, pastors seems to be preaching from the first part of the chapter, and I'm going to be speaking to you tonight from the middle part of the chapter and highlighting just a, a, a little, I guess you could call nugget of truth in this chapter. So if you ask, Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to start reading in verse number 5. i got it on the screen here for to you. Uh, here in case you need it. So let's read it together. What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through who you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Look at the person next you. Say, God gave the growth. That's like the most important thing. Say, God gave the growth. Okay. <laughs> But God gave the growth. So neither he knew who waters uh, nor he who plants is anything, but only God gives the growth. So look to the person on the other side and say, God gives the growth. Okay, that's very important. God gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive according, his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. God's building. According to the grace God has given to me, uh, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. Here's an important part here. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray together and then we're going to dive in. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray together. Um, God, this is a serious subject. Um, this is a serious thing. We're talking about the eternal lives of people we know and of people we love. God, we look around and we see, we feel overwhelmed at the lostness, overwhelmed at the brokenness. Um, but God, I pray that through your word that you'll show us that there's a way that people can be reached and there's a part that we can play in it. But God, most importantly, I pray that as we look through this passage, we'll see how great you are and how strong you are and how mighty you are to save. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been in a situation like a team, um, um, a play, um, a performance, where there are two people who are like almost like at odds with each other and everybody takes sides? You ever been in a situation like that? I know you girls have been in situations like that. This seems to happen all the time, right, Drum, drum. The book of 1 Corinthians was written to Christians at a church that was in the city of Corinth. And this city was surrounded by a culture that was very lost. There was a lot of lostness. You know, we saw, I'll pull it back up, we saw the lostness in our area... Corinth was a city that was surrounded by lostness. And these Christians were really having a difficult time living for God. The church in Corinth, the Christians, they, they were founded by this man who wrote... Corinthians named the Apostle Paul. He came to the city. He was telling people the good news about Jesus. People put their faith in in Jesus. People got saved. Yay. He was there for a year and a half and he left. And then later another guy comes in who's a Christian, who's a preacher named Apollos. And he comes in and he preaches to people in, in Corinth. And more people get saved and more people grow in their faith. So now there are people in this church that some say, well, Paul led me to Jesus, and Paul baptized me, and he's like the OG apostle guy. So like, you know, like, like, I'm a more, like, I'm a better Christian because I'm of Paul. And these other people are like, forget Paul, Apollos led me to Christ, and Apollos like tall, dark, and handsome, like he speaks really well, he has more followers on his Instagram than Paul does, so I'm of Apollos, and I'm better than you. So there was the Paul team. And there was the Apollos team of Christians, and they were trying to one-up each other. In 1 Corinthians, one of the reasons that Paul wrote to these Christians is he's saying, the point isn't me, and the point isn't Apollos. The point is that you believe in Jesus, right? He's the important one. He's the one that deserves the glory. So in that is this little section here that I want to bring back up. And I want you to look at this. What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? There are three things that we learn in this little section that talk to us about what we should do. We're surrounded by brokenness. We're surrounded by people that are hopeless. I mean, you, you, you see it in the eyes of people that walk, when you walk in the hallways of school. You experienced it last week. People need hope to hold on to. What can we do? How can we reach these people who only 564 of us are Christian? Well, there are three things. You can write them down if you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. There are three points that we're making tonight out of here. And the first is pretty simple. There are some things that we can do. There are some things that we can do. Look at the person next to you and say, you can do it. You say, say it like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger would say it, like, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, here, here's, the, here's the cool thing, and here's the interesting thing um, in, 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 this, in this section here is that we see two guys. I'm gonna go back to the scripture here. We see two guys. We see Paul, and we see Apollos. And Paul and Apollos both had natural abilities, they had skills. They had skills. Paul's skills is he was smart. I mean like nerd level smart. He was studious. He knew every little bit of the Bible. He knew all the scriptures. Um, Another thing that Paul was good at was that he he was bold. He was fierce. He would get up in front of people and say things that were unpopular. And it was unpopular to share the gospel. Um, another thing that Paul had that was, 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 was one of his strengths is that he was, he was mature. He was an old dude and he had seen a lot. But then Apollos had a lot of skills too that God had given him that he was born with. Apollos was a great speaker. Have you ever, yeah there's a lot of people on TikTok who are really good speakers the, up here guys. There are a lot of people on TikTok who are really good speakers. They could convince you of anything. They could, can, they could talk a polar bear out of a fur coat in the winter. You know what I mean? Like really, and, and Apollos was a really, really, really good speaker. And Apollos was a people person. Any of you here tonight? People? People? a people person right you just walk in and you make friends I'm not one of those people but you just walk in and make friends you're a people person so Paul and Apollos you can see they were different right but God had given them each some skills they were born with skills and some of you have been all of you have been born with different kinds of skills some of you are really good academically I'm not one of those people. I wouldn't know how that feels. But some of you are really good academically. Some of you are really good athletically. Some of you are artsy-fartsy. I mean, you, you could just, you know, you, you could draw, you can play. You, God has given each and every one of you natural abilities, talents that you were just born awesome with right? And, and Paul and Apollos, they both used their natural talents and natural abilities to tell people about Jesus, but not only did they use their natural talents and natural abilities to tell people about Jesus, they used their spiritual gifts. You know that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves inside them and enables, and, and he enables us to do things that we wouldn't be able to do apart from, apart from God. Like I said, I'm an introvert. I'm not a people person. If there's a room full of people, I'd be fine like in the corner of a room, like watching TikTok. Like I'd be fine with that. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't feel excluded. I'd be fine. Like I'm just not a people person and I get nervous getting in front of people. But God somehow laughed and made me a youth pastor. And I stand in front of like the scariest people to stand in front of in the world, teenagers. But God gives us abilities. And I can look and I can see different, God has given different different ones of you, different ones of our leaders, just natural abilities. April has the gift of mercy. That's one of the spiritual gifts we read about in Romans 12. Like people will just come and just dump all their problems on April. She just listens. I don't know if any of y'all experienced that before. She just listens. Like, she just lets people, like, dump all over her with all her problems. um, Because she is a merciful person. Probably gets tired of that. I don't know. Uh, She's a merciful person. Um Hunter's got the gift of discernment. Like like he 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 can he can smell cap real quick. Like 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 Hunter's great at picking things out that are wrong. Like we have people that are so gifted in so many ways. Gracie's got the gift of hospitality. Like 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 Gracie just comes in and makes want everybody to feel comfortable. Like God has given each and every one of us who believe in him spiritual gifts. He gave Paul the gift, I believe the gift of discernment. He gave Apollos the gift of teaching. Apollos is a great teacher. and Both of them used their gifts and used their talents, not just the gifts they were born with, but the gifts that God gave them to tell people about Jesus. They also used, I tried to do all S words, you know. (laughs) Uh, They used strategic relationships. Look Look at 1 Corinthians 3 here. It says, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Servants through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. God assigned different people for Paul to reach and different people for Apollos to reach. You know, there are some people that you are perfectly engineered to connect with. Like there are some people that if I go up and I I try to talk to them, I will have nothing in common. Like they're into like manga. And I know nothing about that. Or they're into Harry Potter. And I'm like, I don't know anything about Harry Potter. I mean, but, but see, I could, I could go talk to somebody about hunting all night long. I mean, I could talk about how to gut a deer, how to cut the butthole out of the deer, all the stuff that you need to know how to do when you're hunting. I could talk about it all night long. God, yeah, ooh, right? Shouldn't have talked about that. God has engineered people to come into our lives, strategic people that we can connect with. He's assigned people to us. And Paul and Apollos, when God brought people into their lives, they jumped on them. Spiritually, not literally. They jumped on them. And also, the final thing is, Paul and Apollos, they just did simple things. Look, look at the simple things. Look, look at what is described as the ministry that they did. It's very simple. It says, I planted, Apollos watered. Neither he who plants or waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. Do you see how simple it was? Paul and Apollos, they just simply shared the gospel. When I was 15 years old during the summer, I worked for a farmer. He was a farmer and a horse rancher. And I did it once, and I'm never going to do it again, because it was the hardest work I've ever done. The guy was real redneck, lived out in Lesage. Anybody been out to Lesage? Like, I heard they just got running water out there recently. Um, But um, I'm just joking. Um, And he was a farmer named Daryl. I mean, isn't that the most stereotypical, like, farmer name, right? There's a farmer named Daryl in Lesage. And he would say this all the time. And he'd never call me Matt. It was always Matthew. He'd always say, Matthew, farming ain't complicated. It's just hard work. And what we see here is that sharing the gospel, winning people to Jesus, in the words of Daryl, the farmer, it ain't complicated. It's just hard work. It takes zero skill to stick your finger in the dirt, to put a seed in the hole you just made with your finger, to cover it up and water it. Right? It takes zero talent it's just work and what we see is that Paul and Apollos they won these people to Jesus they reached these people and gave them hope because there were some things they could do they could use their natural gifts their natural talents and abilities they could use the gifts that the Holy Spirit living inside them enabled them to do they used their strategic relationships with the people that they connect with and they just did the simple things they just shared the gospel we look around and we say what can we do Our world is falling apart. Our community of teenagers in Cabell County is falling apart. What can we do? Well, there are things that you can do. So not only are there things that we can do, there are things we must do. There are things that we must do. More S words. See, someone, I tried to make it simple. Someone, seed, and servants. There's some things that we must do. Look at verse 5. Ah, there we go. It says, Who is Paul? Who is Apollo's servants? What? Through whom you believed. Every salvation story involves three people the person who got saved, the person who shared the gospel with the person who got saved, and God who opened the heart. Of the person who got saved. And what we see here. Is that Paul and Apollos. Each were that second person. In the lives of so many people. Through who you have believed. You may circle that word. Underline this phrase like I did. The circle believe, And you may write Romans 10.14. Right next to it. Because what does it say? It says this. How will they call on him. Who they have not believed. How will they believe on him who they never heard? How are they to hear the gospel without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of the people who preach the good news? Everyone who's saved had someone tell them about Jesus. For me, it was my mom when I was five years old in our living room. Who was it for you? who wasn't for you. Maybe you were sitting, sit, sitting under, the, under the preaching of a pastor. Uh, maybe it was a, a, a person-to-person conversation. Maybe you, you, you read something on Instagram or you, you, you watched a video on YouTube, but there was someone who delivered the good news. We must deliver the good news to people. We must. Someone has to tell them. You know, what's really sad is that there's 564 of y'all And according to some other research that we've done, most boomers, you know what I mean when I say boomers? Those are your grandparents. Most boomers and most Gen Xers who are Christians are not making disciples of people younger than them. That means that the someone who is going to reach the people that you come in contact with, the teenagers in our community, it's not going to be the older people. They're not doing it. It's gonna be you guys. You're gonna be someone's someone. But not only must we, the thing we must do is tell people it's not an option. We have to give people the right news. I have a picture up here of all different kinds of seeds. Um, and, and this is not, like, like old Daryl said, you know, farming ain't complicated. It's just hard work. This is not complicated. If you plant a pumpkin seed you're going to get a pumpkin plant. If you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. If you plant a watermelon seed, you're going to get a watermelon vine. If you plant a dollar, it's just going to stay in the ground and get dirty. Yeah. I wish it would grow a tree. Um, if we're, we have, to, we have to, we have to plant the right seed. We have to give the right gospel. And unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes we give the wrong gospel. Um, sometimes we give the gospel of legalism, saying, "Man, I can't believe you'd wear that shirt to church. Can't believe I'm Jordan. I'm talking to you. I can't believe you'd wear that shirt to church." And 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 we make the whole message about you got to dress different, you got to act different. You know, the gospel is not about putting a new shirt on the person, right? It's about putting a new person in the shirt. Right? It's about God giving somebody new life. So sometimes we plant the seed of legalism. We plant the seed of entertainment. Hey, come to my church. We have ping pong. Yeah. Come to my church. We got Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you know, are, are we sharing the Chick-fil-A or are we sharing the gospel? Right? We have to give the right, we have to plant the right seed in the hearts of people. What is that seed? What is the gospel? The Apostle Paul later in Corinthians, he sums it up in like a summary statement. He says this, I delivered to you as first importance, say first importance, nothing more important than this, first importance, what I also received. Here's the God. I got it in, I got it um, highlighted in, in white here. Christ died for our sins. Somebody had to die for our sins, and Jesus died for him, that he was buried, he died and he was dead. and he was raised on the third day. He came back from the dead. He was obviously God, and that he appeared to a whole lot of people afterwards to prove that he was God. The gospel is that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and that when we turn in faith and believe him, our sins are forgiven. We've been given a new life and we have a home in heaven forever with Jesus. That's good news, right? That's hope, right? People need that good news, right? There are 14,123 people minus 564, whatever that is, people that need that hope and we got to give people the right seed wouldn't it be a shame if we get people into our church but we never get people into the kingdom of God we've got to give the right it has to be the right seed and then finally the, the final S under this one is servants look at what it says who then is Paul who then is Apollos they were servants through whom you can believe it's that word it's a Greek word diakonos diakonos It's where we get our word deacon from. And what this literally means is someone who waits tables, someone who brings food to a table. It also can be used as someone who brings the seed out of the storehouse and plants it. What are we? We're servants. We get the gospel from God's word and we serve it to people who need it. It's not an option. It's something that we must do. And what we see down here, we don't have time to tease all this out. But what we see is that each will receive wages according to his labor. Is that one day, God is going to judge every Christian based on our obedience to the great commission of taking the gospel around the world. This judgment isn't going to determine whether we get into heaven or not, or whether we're saved or not. It has to do with the rewards that we're going to receive in heaven. But look look at the pronouns. Am I allowed to talk about pronouns? Look at the pronouns. It says, each will receive his wages according to his labor. Each. Each, that means everybody has a responsibility. That means I can't say, well, it's a good thing. You know, it means you can't say, well, it's a good thing. I've got a youth pastor. I've got Matt. I can bring people uh, to, to, to listen to Matt, or I can go send Matt to go talk to um, you know, JoJo or to uh, um, you know, Roberta or whoever it is to, to talk to them about Jesus. Those are two names no teenager would ever have, right? Have to talk to them about Jesus. No, I have a responsibility but you have a responsibility too, right? Each of us have a responsibility. So we're servants. There's some things we must do. Like I said, I'm gonna say this a million times, If you be like, farming ain't complicated. It's just hard work. This is not complicated. Adults aren't reaching teenagers, There are only 564 of us. You know, on a a, kind of a big night when the flu isn't going around, we usually have between 90 and 100 teenagers that refuel on a Wednesday. Do you realize? Do you realize that sometimes on a Wednesday night, you're looking at about 20% of all Christian teenagers in Cabell County? If we don't start reaching people for Christ, if we don't start reaching teenagers for Christ, nobody will. You're hit. There are some things that we must do. But before we get anxious, before we get overwhelmed at the thought of how are we going to reach all these people, yeah, there's some things that we must do. But here's the good news. There's some things only God can do. What's so interesting is you can plant a seed and you can water a seed and you can try to get all the, all the elements that are going to make a seed grow. But some seeds are duds. Some seeds just don't sprout. We can plant the seed of the gospel in people's hearts. We can water the seed of the gospel in people's hearts. But who is it that opens the hearts? It's God. Look here. And this is the main point. Remember how I had you repeated a million, felt like a million times? I planted, verse 6, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who, nor who plants nor he who waters is anything but only, say it, God who gives the growth. So we bring the gospel, but who is it that opens people's hearts? It's God. We're supposed to be obedient, but it's God who opens people's hearts. So I put together a little, a little list here. We're not going to talk about them all. There's some things that only God can do. And here are the things that only, only God can do. Only God can convince people of their sin. Only God can give new life to people. Only God can send his Holy Spirit to live inside a person. Only God can give boldness to the person sharing the gospel. You can try to share the gospel with someone, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit enabling you, you're going to fall flat on your face. Only God can bring prodigals back to their senses, people who strayed from God. Only God can open the hearts of people to pay attention when the gospel is being presented. Only God can open someone's spiritual eyes to understand the gospel. Only can, God can remove the blindness that Satan puts in front of people, like a sheet, like a curtain. Only God can draw someone to himself in a powerful way. Only God can grant someone the gift of repentance to change, change their mind about sin, self, and Savior. We're the waiters. (laughs) We bring the gospel to the table. But there's some things only God can do. Only God can open the heart of a person. So you say, Matt, well, (laughs) seems like we've done everything we can. When is God going to, to do his thing? Well, the big answer is whenever he darn well wants to because he's God. But have you ever read the big prayers of the Bible? Have you ever read the times when people got on their faces before God and they, is it pled or pleaded? (laughs) They pleaded with him, they pled with him and their prayers moved the heart of God. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you a few examples. Prayer moved God to temporarily save the city of Sodom from his wrath. Prayer moved God to not destroy the entire nation of Israel when they turned from worshiping him to worshiping a golden calf. Prayer caused the sun to literally stand still in the top of the sky for 24 hours. Prayer moved God to not send a plague to Israel because they disobeyed him. When Hezekiah prayed, God delivered Israel from 185,000 Assyrian soldiers who were surrounding Jerusalem ready to take it over. Hezekiah was getting ready to die. He prayed to God. God added 15 years to Hezekiah's life. Prayer released Peter from prison when the church gathered and was praying for him. You, some of you guys love theology. And you have this perfect little box that you have God in. And you think God does this. And you think God does this. And you've got the whole sovereignty of God thing figured out. If you've got it figured out, please come and talk to me because I'm a little confused still. Here's what I know from the Bible. The more people pray, the more God moves. In the words aside from Duck Dynasty, it's a scientific fact, Jack. The more people pray, the more God moves. Prayer touches God's heart and moves his hand. I think that's why Paul said it like this when he was writing to the Corinthians. I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart with many tears. It's not enough to have an awesome church. It's not enough to have a student ministry that people wanna come to. We need the power of God Changing people's lives. Opening up their hearts. Because there's some things we can do. There's some things that we must do and I hope we're doing them. But there are some things that only God can do. And the Bible says, the Bible demonstrates that the more people pray, the more he moves. And I want to see God move among the 14,123 teenagers in our area that are in desperate need of hope. So like Daryl said, farming ain't complicated, it's just hard work. Do what you can do to reach people for God and beg them to do the rest. So I got two things I want to talk to you about as we close this out. They're not alliterated, sorry, no F words, no P words, no C words. And it ain't complicated, it's just hard work. The first is do what you can. What skills, what talents, what opportunities has God given you? When you leave tonight, you're going to be given a little packet. Isn't packet such a nice word? You're going to be given a little packet. Leaders are going to be handing these out as you leave. And each of these packets is going to have five of these invite cards. It's an opportunity that God's given us. It's an opportunity God's given you. Invite cards for our not-so-traditional Thanksgiving dinner. I want you to pray over these and pray who God might lead you to over the next few days to give one of these cards to and say, why don't you come with me to my church, to my student ministry. We're going to be having this incredible event. And they're going to be, I promise you one thing, they're going to be under the sound of the gospel on Wednesday. You can invest in their lives. You can invite them to come. You can share the gospel. It's not complicated. It's just work. You can do what you can. But we need to, I think what is the most important is we need to beg God to do what only he can do. There's an interesting story that comes out of England. And I'll end with this. Um, How many of y'all? I've seen the guys at the grocery stores ringing the bells. They're already out. Salvation Army. You know what I'm talking about when I say Salvation Army? A lot of them are dressed up in a Santa suit. They're ringing the bells. They're saying, give me money. That organization's been around for 150 years. It's called the Salvation Army. It was founded by a dude named William Booth in England. And God saved him out of a really rough time. And he started reaching out to people who were alcoholics. People who were incredibly poor, and people who were living in some of the most violent neighborhoods in England. He'd give them clothes, he'd give them food, and he'd share the gospel. And all of these, what the world would call terrible people, scallywags, or whatever you want to call them, started putting their faith in Jesus. And started having their lives changed. So he was such, a, such an intense dude. They called him Commander William Booth. And he called his, 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 um, his organization the Salvation Army. He started to raise up leaders and send them to other parts of England to start new ministries and to reach new people. And there, was a, a, a two, there were two sisters who he raised up. Their names were Mary and Kate Jackson. They were sisters. And he sent them to the worst one of the worst cities in England. The city's name was Leeds, L-E-E-D-S. They worked for months and months and months. They tried to reach out. They tried to give people clothing. They tried to give people food. They tried to share the gospel. Nobody wanted to hear what they had to say. Nobody wanted to even take their clothes and they became, take the clothes they were handing out. And they became very discouraged. They became so discouraged they were ready to give up. They wrote William Booth, and they said, nobody wants to accept what we're giving. God is not moving here. Will you please reassign us? And they ended it by saying, we have tried everything. William Booth wrote back. I guess when they, you know, letters were text messages back then. William Booth wrote back a two-word answer. Try tears. And Mary And Kate Jackson took that letter and they started to look at the people in Leeds, those terrible people, according to world standards, with different eyes. They started to become broken personally for the lostness that they saw and they spent hours upon hours upon hours praying. They stopped giving out food, they stopped giving out clothing and they just started praying and praying and praying. God ended up sending a revival to the city of Leeds through Mary and Kate Jackson. And the the Salvation Army Church of Leeds became the second largest church of England. We've tried a lot to reach teenagers. We've tried pool tables and ping pong tables, Xboxes. We've tried really good food and we're not going to stop doing that kind of stuff. The question is, have we tried tears? Have we looked at this number? 4,123 people who apart from putting their faith in Jesus will have no hope for this life and will have no hope for the life to come. Have we tried tears? I know it's time to get out of here and I'm gonna pray. Um, so go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. and um, I, We do need to leave, but I wanna give you a moment And I want to ask you a question as your head is bowed. We talked about the 14,123 teenagers who are in the area. Which ones are close to you? When we're talking about a teenager who needs to be reconnected with Jesus, needs to be connected with Jesus, what name came to your mind? I want to give you just a moment to lift up that name. Quietly in your heart where you're seated, lift up that name to Jesus. Pray that God gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I'm going to give you a moment to do that now and then we're going to close in prayer. God, we thank you for this night. We thank you that we can gather together, um, especially to encourage each other um, after what's been kind of a heavy week. God, we look around and we see lostness, we see hopelessness, we see confusion, we see depression, and Lord, what that really is is is, is, is that's the absence of, of faith in you. It's the absence of hope in you. Now, God, I pray that as we as we leave, I pray as we take those invitations, God, that you'll lead us to the right people. God, this is not complicated. Investing in someone's life, inviting them to come, sharing the gospel with them is not complicated. But God, if we don't do it, no one else will. So God, I pray that you'll impress on our hearts the need. I pray, Lord, that you'll bring us to tears if that's what it's gonna take to see you change people's lives. God, thank you for Jesus and thank you that he loved us enough to lay his own life down to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you that we're forgiven. Thank you that we have hope for tomorrow and hope for the life to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.